right, welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Adrian Toombs to my Peter Parker, Steve. Welcome back, compadre. Good to be here. Uh, Heck yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. And and, uh, this week we're tackling the first movie in the Spider-Man series for Marvel, the fifth Spider-Man movie in the modern era, the 16th in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man Homecoming. (laughs) See, this movie is like, just how you said that, (laughs) <laughs> this movie fits perfect. And should I say the third reboot of this character? <laughs> it really does. It, it fits perfect with how it was done. Yeah. I, I, I love about it. So, yeah. And, and on awesome. The, yeah. And on this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time at our Movie Planet Pantheon. The comic book, Movie Planet Preserve, is comprised of seven and only seven films. And in order to be inducted, it's got to be reviewed by us. They are number one with a perfect score, Deadpool. Number two with a perfect score, Iron Man. Number three with a perfect score, The Dark Knight. And then we get into the follies. So we get Batman Begins with an A minus. Just 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 touching it. We get Doctor Strange at number five with a B plus, where it so rightly deserves to be higher. Uh, <laughs> and we have got Captain Uh-oh. America Civil War with a solid B plus and Captain America the Winter Soldier with a B plus. Now the higher the grade we give Spider-Man Homecoming, the longer it may be staying in there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the preserve in the future. So we will discuss the movie and and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. This is a spoiler-rich podcast. If you haven't seen 2017 Spider-Man Homecoming, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business! This week, we are discussing 2019s. No, 2020s. No, 2017. Sorry, I'm getting the timelines mixed up again. Spider-Man Homecoming. A movie made for $175 million that brought in $880.1 million worldwide. Yay, this was, did not, uh, well, for, it for made a Spider-Man, lot of money, man, I expected a billion. They, they didn't even, I know, but they didn't even spend a whole lot. It was, seems like 175 that sounds like chump change in the MCU. Yeah, they're usually averaging around 200 <laughs> At least, at least, maybe more than that. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just me. No, no, I don't think it's you at all. I think it's just that we're used to seeing these movies get the $200 million price tag on them. But also, I think the reason why this didn't hit a billion was because, you know, they seen Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. They saw Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. And I think that maybe there was like a little of a, wait a minute, Sony's property or is it MCU's property? Are they going to screw this up? We don't know. That may have knocked out the other $120 million out of this to make it get the cool billion. That's that's good because that means finally somebody did their homework when make, when making a movie. But there's also this little tidbit, and that is it is written by not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six people. That's a you lot, know, that's a lot of fingers in the cookie that. jar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anybody would see that and be like, this is just coming from all different directions. But yeah. Wow. Uh, produced by Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal of Sony Entertainment. Uh, uh, d- yep, okay, d- there's the there's the union. Yep, directed by John Watts and the music by my boy Michael Giacchino. <laughs> he is your boy. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, starring Tom Holland as Peter Parker or Spider Boy or Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. Who, he, he's who a- at this time? Who is Tom Holland at this time before Spider Man? Tom Holland is a nobody. Tom Holland ain't done shit. <laughs> it's insane. Welcome to stardom, kid. Uh, Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes, the vulture. What'd you think of Michael Keaton? I really liked him, but I just kept seeing Batman. <laughs> 
I, that's all I can see. And the, the part that sticks out with me the most is in the 89 Batman when he just goes nuts on the Joker. Uh-huh. <laughs> like as Bruce Wayne. And because his facial expressions just stand out. Like how his eyes and how his eyebrows and he's just got a very strong looking face. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Oh, it's that's gorgeous acting. Uh, then you have some interesting people here. We, the third lead, Jacob Badalon as Ned, another nobody, but also playing somebody who doesn't even exist in the comics. Oh, okay. Then, I like it. Yeah. Number four is Laura Harrier as Liz. She is also never in the comics. Oh. We, we have John Favreau reprising his role as Happy Hogan. Nice to see him. Happy. Back. Uh, Zendaya as Michelle. I'll get into that later. Just, just, just Zendaya. Just Zendaya. That's her name, Zendaya. Okay. No last name, like Cher or Sting or <laughs> <laughs> or Wong. Um, Donald Glover as Aaron Davis. Marissa Tomei is the hot Aunt May Parker. May Parker. <laughs> I will give you your time for that one. Oh, I, if I may. Uh, look, if I may. Huh. <laughs> oh, God, you just took it. Uh, yep. uh, <laughs> we'll talk about. Well, let me I'll just say this now. Before this movie, Aunt May was an 88 year old geriatric for the most part. And when they introduced her in Civil War, didn't she look a lot younger than the version we get in this one? Uh, a little bit. Probably. She, she looked but, a little more polished, I mean, how, polished in Civil War one. Yeah, I guess so. But that was only a couple of years. I don't, it was only. Well, well, I think what they do is I think they tried to dress her down a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Maybe because they wanted to give her the ant look. I don't know. I have you no idea. Have a hot yeah. Yeah. Just... Robert Downey Jr. reprising his role as Tony Stark. You get Gwyneth Paltrow showing up at the very end as Pepper Potts. Chris Evans in PSAs as Captain America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, this is another interesting one. Tony Revolori as Flash Thompson. Now, Flash is normally a big brooding guy. Yes. Here he's a, you know, he's basically... A bully for today. Oh, God, yes, he is. Yeah. He's the biggest douche in the MCU. Very much so. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I don't know. Would you give it to him or would you give it to Justin Hammer? Uh, you know, how funny would it be if longer down the line, if something happened where Justin or um, Flash Thompson did an internship with Justin <laughs> Hammer? <laughs> oh, Steve, I think you wrote the next series of movies. That would just totally make sense. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer Connelly showing up as the voice of Karen. Uh, Bo Keem Woodbine and Logan Marshall Green as Shocker. Michael Chernus as Phineas Mason, the Tinkerer. Hannibal Burris as Coach Wilson. Martin Starr as Mr. Harrington. And we first saw him in Incredible Hulk as a grad student in the library when they. Oh. And All finally, right. Stan Lee as a New York City apartment resident named Gary. So, uh, yeah. That that's that that's the cast list right there. I I got a question for you. When they showed Logan Marshall Green as the shocker at the very beginning, didn't you think that was Tom Hardy? Yeah, he had a very he has a very strong feature, but I didn't think his build was as big as the Tom Hardy, like his broad shoulders. But he yeah. definitely did look like him. So, yeah. and I thought between the both of them, mm-hmm. he looked like the he could bit play off a better shocker. But as we'll learn out later, yeah, he also looked like Captain happens. Boomerang. <laughs> yeah, uh, but let's get into the making of this movie. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. All 
right. To do the making of this, we have to go all the way back to the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Now, Sony had originally intended the film to launch an expansive film universe around Spider-Man to compete with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In 2013, Sony announced a third Amazing Spider-Man film with a release date of June 2016, which Alex Kurtzman, Roberto Orsi, and Jeff Pinkner would return to write, and a fourth film with a release date of May 4th, 2018. Additionally, the series was to include spin-off films featuring The Sinister Six and Venom. They had already gotten Drew Goddard to write and direct Sinister Six, and Kurtzman, directing a Venom script co-written by himself, Orsi, and Ed Solomon, was already on the books. Sinister Six had been planned for a November 11th, 2016 release. Additionally, by August of 2014, Sony had hired Lisa Joy Nolan to write the script for a 2017 film starring Felicia Hardy or Black Cat. She was introduced in Amazing Spider-Man 2. In addition, Sony revealed plans for a spin-off based on Spider-Man 2099 to be released in 2017. So you can see, Sony was all in on this one. They wanted to really compete with Marvel. However, between December of 2013 and the release of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 in May of 2014, Garfield and Webb revealed that while they would both return for the third film, they weren't sure if they were coming back for the fourth, with Webb confirming that he would not be directing. Following the mixed critical reviews and franchise low box office performance of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, the future of the franchise was unclear. By, two, by July of 2014, Orsi had left the third film to work on Star Trek Beyond. The Amazing Spider-Man 3, which would have included Chris Cooper returning as Norman Osborn and focused on Peter recovering from Gwen's death, was delayed to an unspecified date in 2018, and The Amazing Spider-Man 4 was shelved. Now, this is when the Sony hack comes in. If you all remember, Sony was hacked. And in 2014, following that hack, Sony was revealed to have been in talks to have Sam Raimi return to the franchise to direct a new trilogy for the character and was in discussion with Marvel Studios about including Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe film Captain America Civil War. Marvel reportedly was unhappy with some of the terms of the proposed arrangement, including the film rights, staying with Sony, and both talks allegedly ceased. However, in early 2015, a deal between the studios that allows Spider-Man to be used in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was reached. In February of 2015, Sony and Marvel Studios get together and they announce that a new iteration of Spider-Man would appear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the character appearing in Captain America Civil War before Sony released a standalone film titled Spider-Man Homecoming produced by the MCU's Kevin Feige and Sony's Amy Pascal on July 7th of 2017. Following this announcement, the Amazing Spider-Man franchise was canceled. Sony Pictures will continue to finance, distribute, own, and have final creative control of the Spider-Man films. Marvel Studios and Sony will explore opportunities to integrate other characters of the MCU into future Spider-Man films. That was the deal. In March of 2015, Drew Goddard was being considered to write and direct the film. Goddard, who was previously attached to a Sony film based on The Sinister Six, later said he declined to work on the new film as he thought he, quote, didn't really have an idea, quote, for and struggled with the idea of working on a new film after spending a year while working on The Sinister Six film and being in that mindset. 
The next month, while promoting Avengers Age of Ultron, Feige said the character of Peter Parker would be around 15 or 16 years old in the film, which would not be an origin story since, quote, there have been two retellings of that origin in the last 13 years or so. We are going to take it for granted that people know that and the specifics, end quote. Parker's Uncle Ben is still referenced in the film, but not by name. Later in April, Nat Wolf, Asa Butterfield, Tom Holland, Timothy Chalamet, and Liam James were all under consideration by Sony and Marvel to play Spider-Man, with Holland and Butterfield the frontrunners. Butterfield, Holland, Judah Lewis, Matthew Lintz, Charlie Plummer, and Charlie Rowe screen-tested for the role, lead role against Robert Downey Jr., who portrays Tony Stark, Iron Man, in the MCU for chemistry. And the six were chosen out of a search of over 1,500 actors to test in front of Feige, Pascal, and the Russo brothers, the directors of Captain America Civil War. Holland also tested with Chris Evans, who portrays Steve Rogers in the MCU, and emerged as the favorite. On June 23rd, Marvel and Sony officially announced that Tom Holland would star as Spider-Man and that John Watts would direct the film. Zendaya was cast in the film as Michelle, and Marissa Tomei was confirmed as May Parker. The following month, Kevin Feige confirmed that characters from previous MCU films would appear and clarified that the deal formed with Sony does not specify which characters can and cannot cross over. He noted that the sharing between the studios was done with good faith in order to have more toys to play with as they put together a story, and that the agreement was that it was very much a Sony Pictures movie. They were the creative producers, Marvel was. They were the ones hiring the actor, introducing him to Civil War, and then working right now on the script and soon to be shooting. Sony Pictures chairman Tom Rothman further added that Sony has final greenlight authority, but were deferring creatively to Marvel. Tony Revolori and Laura Harrier joined the cast as classmates of Parker's, and Robert Downey Jr. was revealed to be in the film as Tony Stark. John Watts noted that Stark was always a part of the film's story because of his interactions with Parker in Civil War. Also in April, Michael Keaton entered talks to play a villain, but dropped out of discussions shortly thereafter due to scheduling conflicts with his other movie, The Founder. He soon re-entered talks for the role after a change in schedule for that film and closed the deal in late May. Additionally, Marvel made a conscious decision to mostly avoid including or referencing characters who appeared in previous Spider-Man films outside of major ones like Peter and May Parker and Flash Thompson. This included The Daily Bugle, with co-producer Eric Hauserman Carroll saying, quote, We toyed with it for a while, but again, we didn't want to go down that road right away. And if we do a Daily Bugle, we want to do it in a way that feels contemporary, end quote. This also includes the character Mary Jane Watson, but Zendaya's Michelle was eventually given the initials MJ as a nod to that character. Feige said that the point of this is to, quote, have fun with references while at the same time having it be different characters that can provide a different dynamic, end quote. All right. Do you remember seeing this for the first time, Steve? What did you think? Yeah, Sam. two words. Sam! Joe Journey. Yeah! As I look back, uh, I was like surprised that I never even saw this in the theater. I, I mean, still can't this believe didn't that. come out that long ago. What, three years? Yeah. How the heck? I mean, I guess, I was surprised, but yeah, I guess it is what it is. But when I look back at the theater, at home during the Joe Journey, 
It was good. Yeah. Uh, For me, I was, for me, yeah, I remember seeing this. It was, I was excited because I love seeing, I was curious to see what Marvel would do uh, with Spider-Man now that they had control over the character because they never had him before. And all you heard about was, oh, wait till it gets back to Marvel, then they'll make a real Spider-Man movie. Uh, All the Spider-Mans beforehand have sucked. And we forget that, you know, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans 1 and 2 were fantastic. Yeah, I like the first ones. Yeah. I like the Tobey Maguire ones. Uh, and then the Andrew Garfield ones got a bad rap because it wasn't Tobey Maguire, but also because it was a little bit darker. And they didn't like the fact that Peter Parker didn't seem like the nerd that they're used to seeing, but he was kind of an outcast in that movie also. People missed the boat on that one, so they shit all over that too. See, I thought people, like, I thought they liked the Andrew Garfield a little bit more because the Tobey Maguire, he was just a scrawny little sensitive kid. Yeah. And I, I didn't think, I never read the comics, so I don't know anything about that. But from what I heard from other people is they said that that really wasn't Peter Parker. He was like kind of almost like a comedian, but scrawny and still had an outgoing personality. So I thought that's why they did the Andrew Garfield way. And then when they went to the Tom Holland way, it was like literally a mesh of the two. No, Peter Parker originally was your glasses on nerd. And I think the problem that people had with the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire was that everybody there looked like they were 25 years old. Yeah, it could be. You know, <laughs> Tobey Maguire at the time, I think, was like 23 and he's trying to play a 15-year-old. Do you think a lot of people like the Tobey Maguire one because that was like probably the very first motion picture Spider-Man that came out? They might, They, but they also remember Spider-Man 2, which is arguably in the Hall of Fame of uh, comic book movies. Uh, it, it's one of the best ones ever made, and then they, but but they when but people always remember their last taste of the cake, and that was Spider Man three when he went emo. Yeah, that was a very confusing one because it's like he went Venom, but it wasn't Venom. Right, and right. And then they had uh, Topher Grace in there, who I thought was supposed to be Venom, but never really was Venom, and that's <laughs> what everybody wanted to see. Yes, that's that's the bread and butter of Spider-Man, Spider-Man versus Venom. Yep. And it never even happened. So, well, it's time to start. Why they didn't like it. Time to start walking through this movie with a synopsis courtesy of the Marvel Wiki page, IMDb and Wikipedia. Cue the clip. Previously on Peter Screws the Pooch, I tell you, to stay away from this. Instead, you hacked a multi-million dollar suit so you could sneak around behind my back doing the one thing I told you not to do. Is everyone OK? No thanks to you. No thanks to me? Those weapons were out there and I tried to tell you about it, but you didn't listen. None of this would have happened if you had just listened to me. <laughs> if you even cared, you'd actually be here. I did listen, kid. Who do you think called the FBI, huh? Do you know that I was the only one who believed in you? Everyone else said I was crazy to recruit a 14-year-old kid. I'm 15. No, this is where you zip it, all right? The adult is talking. What if somebody had died tonight? Different story, right? Because that's on you. And if you died, I feel like that's on me. I don't need that on my conscience. Yes, sir. I, yes. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, sorry doesn't matter. I understand. I just, I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. Okay, it's not working out. I'm gonna need the suit back. For how long? Forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's No, no, works. no, please, please, please. Let's Mr. have it. You don't understand. Please, this is all I have. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it, okay? Gotta sound like my dad. I don't have any other clothes. Okay, we'll sort that out. 
The film opens in New York City after the Avengers battled the Chitauri. Salvage worker Adrian Toomes is showing his co-worker a drawing that his daughter made of the Avengers in action. They proceed to work on taking apart the Chitauri Leviathan and gathering any tech they can get their hands on. Soon, a van from the U.S. Department of Damage Control arrives. Anne-Marie Hogue orders Toomes to shut down his operation and adds that they will be confiscating all of their findings. Toomes protests and even punches a damage control agent when he makes a snide remark to him. Hogue then reasserts her demand to Toomes to give up his work. Now, I kind of like this. I think it's a cool premise, Salvagers after the Battle of New York. And that was pretty neat. Yeah, it was like, you know exactly where this film picked up. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, you know, after all that happens, like, oh, wait, yeah, they left all that laying around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nice to see Michael Keaton in a comic book movie again. kind of drifts towards flying animals. You got your Batman, you got your Birdman, now you got a vulture. <laughs> was Birdman a comic? No, Birdman was not a comic. Oh, okay. So we're just making fun of him because he likes birds. Yeah, he was just—he's <laughs> just awesome as film. I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. Yeah. I was so happy to see him in there. Yeah, and and again, this is another smart move in the franchise. Have the Avengers and Tony Stark showing they are responsible for the cleanup. However, Steve, doesn't this actually run contrary to why the Sokovia Accords were introduced a few movies earlier? So I didn't think that the Sokovia Accords. Wait a minute. Let me think. I'm trying to think. I thought that they came during this whole process. Well, they came. Like, after this is they, the reason why. After but, the, after live, it was New York. Then it was crashing the helicarriers into D.C. Then it was okay. dropping Sokovia. And they were like, you know, the Avengers are basically leaving a trail of waste behind them and not caring about it. Well, this right here is kind of proven that Tony Stark actually has been caring about it. Yeah, maybe. I uh, I don't know. I thought I thought this was like after um, the second Avengers film. So no, this is after the first one, after the first one, after the first one. Yeah. Yeah. A little continuity. Well, we're going to talk about continuity in this one. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. After learning that Tony Stark is behind damage control, Toombs gathers three of his coworkers, Jackson Bryce, Herman Schultz, and Phineas Mason to continue their work in gathering Chitauri tech, regardless of what they are told. Eight years later, Toombs and his guys are still at it with Toombs using his vulture suit to bring in a bag of Chitauri power core. So Phineas Mason is the villain, the Tinkerer. Herman Ooh. Schultz is the Shulker. Jackson Bryce, okay, he's he's the Shocker also. It just seems like they probably didn't need Jackson. Yeah, I didn't. I did not. I, I didn't really like that, but I just kind of went with it because unless they like, needed somebody oh, to kill okay, for Michael whatever. Keaton, let's just do it. Unless they needed somebody to kill Mike for Michael Keaton to kill later on. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I like the Vulture suit. What about you, dude? I was. A, it was. It's one. It's freaking huge. Yes, it's massive. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the the wingspan is just intense. But I I like the fact that you know they're able to use this kind of technology and boom, they just flash forward and say, okay, we figured out how to use this, which is beyond like any probably comprehension that any human can do. Like what what I mean, what did they learn this like in a couple of weeks, a couple of months? No, eight at, years. At it says eight years later. Oh, eight years. Okay, yeah. so I guess that kind of makes sense. But you're right. They, it's like they're they're playing around with alien machinery here. You don't know what it can do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when in the beginning of the film, he's like, "No, no, no, you got to use their technology and go clink, 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 yeah. clink, clink, clink." I'm like, <laughs> "How the heck do you just know what that is right there?" I mean, no hazmat suits, no nothing. Let's just pick up some alien machinery and cut it off their ship. Well, that plus the vulture suit. It, it, it as cool as it is, it's also really f- big, like. That thing better have a stealth mode on it because you can't hide that level of machinery out in the open. Yeah, really. That is like, that's a hang glider. Yeah, right. (laughs) You would notice that. (laughs) 
Yes, definitely. Uh, meanwhile, Peter Parker is recording a video log as he travels to Berlin with Happy Hogan for what is really Tony recruiting Peter to help him to, during the events of Civil War. Happy shows off the new Spider-Man suit that Tony made for Peter, which he gets super excited about. He later records his fight alongside Iron Man and everyone on his loyalist side during the airport fight against Captain America and the other Avengers. Tony then brings Peter home in his limo, leaving him eager for their next mission. Now, this... I, I will... I, I'll be honest with you. Th this home video is probably one of the most unique ways to introduce a Marvel character, but also exactly what a teenager would do. <laughs> oh, exactly. It would be like, th this is like... This is the Snapchat or the TikTok or whatever is going on right now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep up with it. But no, I thought... This is probably one of my favorite parts of the entire movie, and it happens in the first, like, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, there's a lot of continuity errors here. So here we go. Yeah. When Ant-Man goes large, the first thing Peter says, he turns and goes, holy shit. He never says that. He just goes, oh, my God, little guy just got big. I wanted the holy shit, man. Oh, jeez. Uh, when Spider-Man enters the fray, you don't see Iron Man put his hands up to his mouth to yell underoos. He just yells it. All right. Anything else? Yeah. The timing of his first words in Civil War don't match the timing here. I'll tell you, as I read all this and look back on us, I never noticed a damn one of these things. <laughs> I really didn't. Call me your average ignorant, you know, ignorant? fan, but ignorant. <laughs> I least said that. Ignorant fan. But uh, I, I, no, I just never noticed anything like this. I was just so like, I was happy the fact that they were kind of doing the movie this way, like from his point of view, behind the scenes, all the stuff that you don't see. Okay. They were, for me, they were like little nitpicks, but I was like, you know, if you're going to recreate these things, at least the attention to detail needs to be there. Tony Stark is absolutely needed in this movie, I think, in order to make sure this isn't a traditional origin story. What do you think? Dude, I think dude, having Tony Stark in here is it, it, it's so cool because out of all the grades that so far I've given for Iron Man 1, uh, 2, and so on and so forth, it's just that, that that's always one of my top three is just Tony Stark. So anything that he's in a movie, I'm already all in for it. So, okay, yes, okay. I thought, I thought it, it's, it's fun. He makes it fun. Yeah, he does. Two months later, Peter is still waiting to hear back from Happy over any new missions. He goes back to being a normal student at Midtown High School. Peter makes plans with his best friend Ned to build a Lego Death Star. Peter also has a crush on a senior named Liz and is frequently taunted by snotty rich kid Flash Thompson. Hey, Penis Parker. When not at school, Peter continues going around the city as Spider-Man to help people as well as, as fight crime. Peter refers to Spidey work as the Stark internship, and as a result, he quits his school's decathlon team. While at school, Peter secretly creates a new web fluid for his shooters. I love the feel of the movie from here on out. It's very high school, very hip. I believe that Peter Parker is a dork, thanks to Flash and thanks to Ned's uh, Death Star. And my favorite part about this entire opener is the school news. That is, as, uh, as somebody who works in a school, you know and I know, this is as real as it actually looks. It's authentic as hell. This is like probably the best newscast I think I've seen, like in a school ever. You can totally tell that this is not a Title I school. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, our, the our way the kids talk, it's very okay. stilted and great. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's got to be like a class, you know? Yeah. And the people who are on there, you can probably tell, are going to be something future in the news, in, in the news world, which I think you kind of mentioned this, which I never even noticed. Uh, yeah, the female newscaster on the school's news show is Betty Brandt. Betty is J. Jonah Jameson's secretary at the Daily Bugle, 
and in early love of Peter in the comics. And later on in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, Elizabeth Banks plays her. I never knew any of this. I guess I'm just your basic MCU fan, so I bow down to your knowledge. Though. Anytime they put two <laughs> names up there, you know it's got to be somebody. God, that's right. You told me that. I feel like an idiot. You know, Anytime Ned, they show the TV, it's got to be something important. Ned doesn't have a last name. Liz, do- Liz Lee doesn't have a last name. Uh, but Betty Brandt, they put it right on there. And you know who I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of the, the newscast we had when we were at Golden Gate. Okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> see, that, that, that was... That's immediately kind of what I thought of first. Yeah. I'll tell you, Calusa's where I'm at is slowly getting there. Okay. But yeah, the, the, this was this was top-notch stuff. The entire montage of this makes me a big fan of Peter Parker and, and the Spider-Man. And I know that we loved the Guardian soundtrack, but I think this is the best soundtrack since Guardians, and I, I might make a case later that's even better. See, it didn't really stick out for me. I didn't, there, there wasn't anything that like, popped for me now granted when you compare guardians you compare this yeah there it's almost like you can't because they're two completely different kind of soundtracks i mean one's playing classic rock because music that's easily recognizable this really isn't well it's playing ramones and a lot of stuff you'd hear from john hughes movies exactly but i mean i guess what i'm trying to say is you can easily recognize the guardians one if people can relate to it a lot easier as opposed to this not really so much. I'm not saying it's bad. No, I know that. I'm not saying it's bad, but I just I just know that it's easier <laughs> to, to to like the other ones, I think. Well, here's the thing. And I, I think we can agree. The Guardian soundtrack, when those songs would come on, more times than not, we were laughing at the song choice for the scene that it was in. Oh, yeah. Because it was goofy to hear Ooga Chaka, Ooga Ooga, and all that stuff. But. Yeah. This one, you're not laughing at it, but you're kind of like in the vibe of it. Yeah, they're 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 one of the same. Yeah, the music for Guardians, you're right, matches the scene, but the music here also matches the scene. It's just goofy, and one's not really so. It's good. Yeah, it just didn't stick out for me. All right, sorry. No, <laughs> you, you know what? That's okay. You're wrong. <laughs> I know. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, one night, Spidey catches four crooks with Avengers masks trying to rob a bank. Great. Whoa, you're the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Using high-tech equipment, Spidey shows up and fights the criminals until one of them uses a device that emits a powerful blast, blowing up not only the bank, but also the bodega across the street. Spidey rushes over to save the owner of the bodega and his cat. Uh, this is the first fight scene for Spidey, and I'll be honest with you, I'm loving this. This is the best at exhibiting all the skills that he has. Yeah, you could definitely tell that he's been practicing, you know, doing yeah. his own thing for a while. And yeah, he's just, it was really cool to see. I agree. Um, if Mr. Delmar had died, I think they would have given this movie a very uneven tone. <laughs> that would have, yeah. Would've it would have, it would have went dark pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, Peter and Happy's relationship is kind of fun to watch. But I'm, I'm a little curious as to whether or not Happy's actually doing his job. Because he's supposed to be responsible for making sure Peter's responsible, but every time Peter contacts him about something, he hangs up on him like, I'm not dealing with this. It's kind of like when your boss tells you, okay, you kind of need to do something. You're like, really? Okay, I'll do it. But it's it's not a top priority. You know, you yeah. like to think that he can take care of himself because whenever you see Happy on screen, he's always doing something else. And then Peter calls him. So I don't know if it's, it's like it's like a side mission. 
Okay. It's one of Happy's side missions. Okay. You know, (laughs) Peter quietly returns to his room. (laughs) Through his window while not trying to let Aunt May know that he was out, he crawls across the ceiling and comes down to find Ned sitting on his bed holding the completed Lego Death Star. He drops it and it breaks upon Ned's discovery, causing JC to panic at all those Lego pieces. Ned is shocked, but also thrilled, and Peter forces him to keep it a secret. This is new. Blowing the cover right away? Yeah, Ned, they did it perfect. I liked it too. I thought it was, uh, it kind of brought him into it, but I'll tell you. This is the third time on screen that we have seen the Dust Star destroyed. <laughs> yes, it is. Yep. Uh-huh. And, and, and at all times, it's, you know, like, it's the Dust Star is, is, is a bad thing, but a little part of me was sad. I know. Yeah, because when you hear that thing crash, you're like, oh, that took some time. 3,000 plus pieces. <laughs> Which JC did the math. It's actually not. It's like around 1,500 or so. Still. Yeah. That's okay. That's a lot. Uh, Marissa Tomei. I'm convinced that this woman has not aged. Uh, she looks different than the Civil War one. I think that in this movie, they heard the backlash about how, wow, Aunt May is really hot May. And they tried to dress her down and make her a little more homely. And in doing so, they did a good job with it. But still, she cute. Yeah, I mean, why? What does she got to compete with? Scarlett Johansson? She's not in this movie. Well, I mean, the way she looked in the last movie, you could see Tony Stark making a move on her, too. (laughs) Well, and I I think that's freaking hilarious. I think that's fun. I think that's uh, his way of just kind of sticking it to Spider-Man. Hey, you're going to screw up? I'm going to tell somebody. Oh, yeah. I really like your aunt. Uh, Peter later goes with May to dinner. May is trying to get the silent Peter in. Uh, Peter admits that he's been tired out from the Star, uh, Stark internship. He's tired of it, with May admitting to not being a fan of Tony Stark. They see footage of the bank robbery, and May warns Peter not to go anywhere near that type of chaos in the city. And a nice little thing right there. This is the joke about them saying she was too hot to play Aunt May. I love that May is getting free food for being pretty. <laughs> okay, so the, now, that, now that makes sense. Because at first I was like, why is this a thing? Yeah. You know, I mean, I felt a little nitpicky. But you casted Marissa Tomei for a reason. We know she's hot. Why do you have to signal it? But you, you kind of just said it. Yeah. So. Uh, the entire next day at school, Ned asks Peter questions about being Spider-Man. They even watch a PSA from Captain America during gym. <laughs> I love he's like, I don't know if you should be listening to this guy. He's a war criminal now. But what are we going to do? <laughs> being a gym teacher, I was just like, we don't do this. <laughs> We don't do this. I don't, I don't know what it's like. Yeah. It's just. It, pre-time. It, it was just, it was just, <laughs> this is 2017. Yes. We have TVs on carts still <laughs> with a VHS. And well, even better, this is like an advanced science school. <laughs> it, oh my gosh. Exactly. Yes. This is not title one. No. Uh, the boys then hear Liz talking to her friends about how she got kind of a crush on Spider-Man while they're playing a game of <laughs> Mary Kill, <laughs> which, wow, okay, we're going to throw that game in there. Leading Ned to blurt out in front of everyone that Peter knows Spider Man. Liz then invites Peter and Ned to a party at her house so that Peter can try to invite Spider Man. Uh, Ned and Peter's relationship together. Uh, can we just say now that Marvel does a great job of pairing people up? Yes, this is 
they're probably one of the best on-screen duos in the MCU. Yeah. I put them on par with Tony and Rhodey. Yes. Like, they just look, they're, they're, they're simpatico. Captain America is a war criminal. I think it's hysterical. But Ned's questioning of Peter is exactly what a teenager do. Nonstop questions. And it's, it's a testament to how good the dialogue is with this. It might be why they had so many writers was to just finally fine-tune some of these, these lines. Yeah, and they gave it to the right people to present them. Yeah, like a, I mean, th- these two together, it's absolutely fantastic. Whenever they're on screen, I just it's cinematic gold. Can you much. can you lay eggs? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I hear it all. This is like all these stupid kids, but it's just like it's totally believable. Yeah. Do you lay eggs? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this one. Can you spit venom? No. Can you summon an army of spiders? <laughs> no, Ned. <laughs> Can you summon an army of spiders? <laughs> yeah, let's see if he's a little like Ant Man. Ah! We'll get to that later. <laughs> the boys attend the party, and almost instantly, Ned tries to get Peter to change into his Spider Man outfit. Peter doesn't want to until Flash starts pestering him. So he goes to change, but then he sees an explosion in the distance. And my favorite part of this movie happens now. The trek to the explosion is fantastic because they finally solved the plot hole that Spider-Man can swing anywhere. Clearly he can't. <laughs> yeah, that was good. When he rides on the golf course, he goes, oh, man. He said he has to just run around across. And then, <laughs> and then the sprinklers come on. And he's you running know, through people's nate yards. <laughs> yeah. The humor in this film is, is placed so perfectly. I love it. Yeah. And but, I love it also. They juxtaposed it with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. So quick question. Yep. And I, I think this might be a teeny bit nitpicky, ooh, but it, um, we've always said, like, especially in Iron Man 1, that it's kind of dated because they mentioned MySpace. Yes. So you remember when Flash is at the DJ booth? Uh-huh. One, who the heck has this kind of a party where there's like one of the guys is like an actual DJ? But that's not even my point. Okay. When he just starts, um, I don't know. I can't remember what he says to Parker, what they call it, Penis Parker or yep. something like that. But then he plays that noise that goes, <laughs> you know, people don't do that anymore. You know, I, I don't I don't hear it as much anymore. So it's like five years down the line is that's going to be like, oh, wow, they did that. I, like I said, I know it's nitpicky, but, you know, you hear the MySpace thing real quick and you think, really, MySpace? And then I when I heard this, I was like, oh, this movie seems a little dated. Well, that sound is still everywhere. It's still in a lot of commercials. And unfortunately, because you've cut the cord, you don't get to watch said commercials. So you're kind of detached from what is culturally relevant today, aren't you, Steve? Well, if that's the case, then I'm glad I cut it because it's just annoying to me. (laughs) You're going to put that on your damn soundboard now, aren't you? (laughs) No, because I absolutely detest that sound. Okay, good. Yeah, that's up there with the Macarena for me. The minute I hear the first four notes of that, I'm like, no, done, no. Mm -mm." Hey, Macarena. Stop it. Okay, he goes to investigate and finds Bryce and Schultz selling Chitari tech to a local gangster named Aaron Davis. Peter's cell goes off when Ned tries to call him, making Bryce and Schultz think Aaron was setting them up. Spidey intervenes and tries to fight the crooks. He chases them until Vulture swoops down and grabs Spidey. He drops him into a river as he gets tangled in his parachute. Now I got a few things about this. One, Spider-Man is clumsy as hell, and I love that he's clearly still learning how a suit works. Yeah, 
And then as you say that, I go back to it. And but his fight scene with the um, in air quotes, the Avengers, nah. he was he was like on point with everything. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it's kind of funny how all of a sudden for the story's sake, it didn't work. Maybe because it was, well, I wouldn't say it was a serious situation. Both of them were pretty serious. I was going to say. Uh, and uh, Spider-Man running on foot. I'm sorry. He wouldn't keep up with the car. <laughs> sorry. I, the van must have been driving like five miles per hour. <laughs> you know, I might, I don't know if I said this in, in any of the Iron Man podcast, but it could be the suit. The, you, no. be the suit helping him out. No, because you can see him in real time running and it's not like he's the Flash. He's running at a regular pace. Yeah, well, uh, it, it could be the suit. Just saying. Uh, uh, could, oh. I, I think we've had this argument before. <laughs> I have nothing to say right now. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from the time that they call the vulture to the time he gets there, that's pretty damn quick. Maybe. Oh, dude. He got there in a hurry. I, I figured it out. Maybe the suit has like some kind of serum in it. <laughs> no, seriously? No, no, no. God, that's that's weird. No. <laughs> Say it. It could be a serum. Uh, who knows? It it's just not that a serum. <laughs> okay, so the craziest thing just happened, right? I started a fight with Captain America, and I stole his shield, and I threw it at him. And I... <laughs> okay. Iron Man then comes down and saves Spidey, finding out where he was because of a tracker in his suit. Tony is not in the suit as he is basically calling Peter, but he tells him to stay out of crime fighting for his own good. Peter considers returning to the party, but Ned has him here on the phone that Flash has everyone mocking Peter. Peter then finds a weapon that one of the crooks left behind. Steve, Tony Stark is the Uncle Ben in this. He's the fatherly role model in this movie. If you weren't going to have Uncle Ben in this movie, I think that Tony Stark's a worthy substitute. Oh, I completely agree. And what's so unique about that is Tony Stark's character. And it's like, one would never think that he would like enjoy having kids around. Right, right. But maybe he's coming to that part of his life and where he just, he's always just keeping tabs on him. Yep. You know, but he's never there. <laughs> it's classic Tony Stark. Classic just, Stark. It, it, it really is. And I love his new model. It's Wi Fi Iron Man. It's Wi Fi Iron Man. <laughs> it's the Mark Wi Fi. <laughs> you are so lucky I've got Wi Fi here. <laughs> exactly. And how cool was it to have to be wherever he was at? He's probably like. It looked like somewhere, India. Yeah, somewhere in India. And he's talking to him through his glass again. Tony Stark's technology. Well, that's the funny part is with all that technology, he still needs a Wi-Fi signal. <laughs> wow. But then again, they were using a, a Roland TV at Peter's school. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> See, just debunked your own statement. At Toombs's lair, Bryce admits to dropping his weapon as he was using his electric gauntlets, calling himself Shocker. Fed with Bryce's carelessness, Toombs cuts him from the team, but Bryce threatens to spill their secrets Secrets? Their secrets. Their secrets to Toombs' wife and the public. Toombs responds by grabbing a powerful gun off of Mason's desk and incinerating Bryce with it because he thought it was an anti-gravity gun. <laughs> he then gives Schultz the gauntlet so he can be the shocker. Uh, Michael Keaton starts the scene off sane and ends it bat crazy. Yeah, he just comes off all like he was pissed off for whatever reason. Can't remember. But the first thing I noticed is and I didn't notice it before. His little furry jacket. Yes. 
It just seems a little cheesy. Okay. Have you ever seen the actual vulture in the comics? No, but it's still cheesy. Do you, okay. Well, once you see the actual vulture, you'll understand why they made that costume. Because the actual vulture was a bald 90-year-old man who had feathers wings, feathered wings, and he, he, he had a long neck and it extended from what looked like that mane of a vulture and that was his costume he was green so rather than make that they were like well, let's just give him you know a winter coat with some fur on it does he ever call himself the vulture in the uh, movie he doesn't but peter does at the end when he leaves the note that they've captured yeah. the guy he names him basically yeah interesting this was really really weird yes after he shoots him with the oops anti-gravity gun <laughs> adrian tombs tomes Yep. Fage, fight, fight, he, whatever. Tombs. Um, he, <laughs> he goes over to him and kicks his dust, his ashes around, mm-hmm. picks up the gauntlet, knocks it around a little bit and tosses it. I'm like, dude, you just like cremated a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, just like dusts him off like he's nothing. I mean, it's like, okay, I've been pissed off at people and I've just wanted to sucker punch him. Never have. Yeah. But I've, that, that, that there's no remorse. He is. Like you said, this is a whole new level of crazy. Yes. I was just, I was just completely, no pun intended. I was shocked at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a, it, it got a little dark all of a sudden. <laughs> it, it, it did. It's probably the darkest part of the whole film. Yeah. Um, with Ned's help, Peter cracks open the weapon to find a power core. He finds Schultz again and places a tracker on him, discovering that he is going to Maryland to get there. Peter rejoins the decathlon team as they head to D.C. for the Nationals competition. And, you know, Steve, for, for a smart kid, he sure is stupid hitting the weapon with a freaking hammer. Oh, it's teenagers. They don't <laughs> know what they're doing half the time. They don't think that. Well, so, I don't want to say all. Most of them. Yeah. Don't think what they're doing. I do like the shop teacher. Keep your fingers away from the blades. Do schools yeah. still have shop glass, though? I they, Well, one, they should. But I, I I don't think so. But clearly, this teacher has tenure <laughs> because if something were to happen in this class, I mean, I could just this is just a walkthrough nightmare right here. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, the shit in the background is great too. The they kept, I mean, everything in the background. The two kids playing chess, knocking on the window. <laughs> it's just random. It's totally random. Uh, <laughs> it, it's completely random and just that awkward. Weird, funny. But it also makes you feel like you're in a real high school. That's no, a real because high I don't know movie. anybody who just sits in a room and plays chess. Well, they're clearly now, not of the popular like type. A card game like Pokemon or something like that. I'd be like, okay, okay, I'm in. But I understand. So, yeah. and also, I get that these kids are smart, but they're literally dismantling Stark Tech by breaking into and changing the software limitations on Stark Tech. You know. It's crazy what someone else's mind, what they can figure out. And this brings me to a tiny, tiny little story. Oh, that I, I have this like little tink, like, you know, like a Rubik's cube. But this is like some kind of weird metal hominara where you got to twist and turn all these metal pieces, separate and bring them together. Yeah. OK, so I got this for Christmas and I worked for weeks on just getting like two moves. <laughs> One kid sits down uh, like I've never seen a Rubik's cube in hand. He figures out in like 10 minutes. Right. I was like. Get out of my office. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's amazing what somebody else's mind can think of. So huh? that's kind of what I took away from it. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. 
Um, all right. Peter sneaks out and goes to find Schultz as Spider-Man. He catches the villains attempting to hijack a damage control truck with more weaponry inside. During his attempt to foil the villains, Spidey is knocked unconscious and wakes up in a damage control warehouse, unable to leave because the door is sealed until the morning. Marvel really did a great job of taking the Spider-Man we've seen for a long time and technologically advancing the suit. But I'm curious as to why he's never noticed these were in there before. Well, wasn't this the first time that it was off the training wheels protocol? Right, but that means that he would still be hearing something, wouldn't he? To get the training wheels on? Maybe. I think it was it's like playing rookie mode in Madden or something. I don't know. It's you don't you don't get the full features of something. Like I, I maybe, I don't know. I to be very unfamiliar with your web shooter settings. Would you like to run a refresher course? Just didn't need to refresh your course. Yeah, he did. I, I love the fact that he's got his own Jarvis and that the suit has a training wheel protocol. But Jennifer Connelly is the voice. She's married, I, she's married to Paul Bettany, who plays Jarvis. <laughs> okay, I didn't read that part until now, and that's just mind blowing. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I even when you just played it right there, I still couldn't even hear it. Maybe because it has like that auto tune sound to it. But I love Jennifer. That's Sarah from Labyrinth. Oh God, yes, it is, isn't it? Great podcast. <laughs> when you finish this one, everybody, go listen to Labyrinth. Labyrinth is a fun it, one. <laughs> it was it was requested by yours truly. Oh yes, it was, wasn't it? Yes, it was, and that's why I like it so much. I get a lot. This is kind of one of my first props in, in, into the podcast world. Yeah. So I got a uh, I got recognized a little bit, and that was kind of fun listening to. So go check it out. It's awesome. <laughs> Would you like me to activate instant kill? No, Karen, stop it with the instant kill already. I really want the instant kill to happen in this movie. <laughs> that would take it so dark. I know. We don't see it really, I think, until in, uh, Endgame. Oh, God. I, you know what? I don't even remember it even in Endgame because usually when instant kill goes on, you see like his eyes just go yeah. no, dark he, and just he those red eyes. instant kill when he's carrying the gauntlet uh, across the battlefield. He puts it on instant kill? So yeah. Why would he want instant kill if he's running away? Because he gets surrounded by all those... Uh, little uh, things and he goes Karen activate instant kill and then you, you see all the lakes right. fly out everywhere okay Peter talks to the AI system in his suit whom he refers to as Karen she helps Peter get a better understanding of how his suit works by the way can I just say I love the fact that she's called Karen because I used to call the American voice on my GPS Karen really <laughs> yeah because I, there was I had the British voice and the American voice the British was Elizabeth because she sounded very you know hello turn a right here and then it was the Karen was a. She'd be like, you'd be driving. She'd be like, turn right. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, Karen, geez. And then when they named her Karen, I was like, oh, like my GPS. <laughs> uh, she helps Peter get a better understanding of how his suit works. He even tells her about his feelings for Liz. He also learns that the power core is basically a bomb that will go off when exposed to radiation. When he realizes he is about to miss the competition, Peter has Karen help him unlock the doors as he rushes to the competition. I feel like this scene is precisely what a 15-year-old would do over 37 minutes. <laughs> it shows how crazy emotional that time of our lives actually is. <laughs> yeah, and when this scene came on, this is when the second time I saw it, I remembered this scene, but I couldn't remember what the whole conversations were. And I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be the dull part of the film. <laughs> 
And then all of a sudden, how long has it been? 37 minutes. And it picks it right back up from there. Yeah, yeah. He's jump roping with the his webbing. He's like, oh, let's try web grenades. <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, yeah. wait. Now, I, I do have a nitpick. I don't know if it's a nitpick. I don't know if it is. Um, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Greek myths. That there yes. are that there are totems, there are uh, suits of armor and sacks, for instance, that hold many things, an infinite number of things. Are we to believe that Peter kept his competition jacket, his hoodie, chemistry book, calculator, all in his backpack, and that there were no wrinkles? Bulls, instant F. <laughs> Okay, if this is if you're if you're, <laughs> I know you're joking, but if that's the case, and so is like an F minus 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 minus. <laughs> so it's almost like okay. So going back, so if he carried something in his sack, it doesn't create any wrinkles. Hmm. And sorry, that was my JC moment of the day. Thank you, everybody. That was my JC moment of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, JC. Love you, buddy. That's for you. <laughs> Peter misses the whole competition, but the team wins thanks to the help of reserved loner Michelle. Oh, she's a new character. The team then heads over to the Washington Monument. He calls Ned to warn him about the power cord that he was holding, but is unable to get the message through. As Spidey, he rushes to the monument, but the core goes off in Ned's backpack as the team is riding up the elevator. Spidey climbs up the monument to save the team, but he can't get in through the window without using great force. The police arrive in choppers and order Spidey to get to the ground, and against their orders, Spidey leaps over the choppers and swings from the bottom. He breaks in and tries to hold the falling elevator with his web, but the weight pulls him down. He is unable to hold the, or no, he is able to hold the web and the elevator as everyone inside climbs out. Liz is the last person and nearly falls with the elevator, but Spidey catches her with the web and rescues her. Steve, why the hell did Ned bring the glowy thing to the competition? He couldn't leave it in his room? Well, you never know when Spider-Man might need it. Better <laughs> safe than sorry is what I have always said mentality. Also, he's just a teenager. But I give him I give him credit for remembering to take it. But what would they need it for? They don't know what it is. It's it's a glowy special alien thing. It's it might get into some month. They don't know. Would, okay. They don't know what's a bomb. They don't know what's this. But it's cool, and that's what teenagers do. Look, what? I'm a PE teacher. I'm just happy that. I have a tough time getting kids to remember to bring their PE clothes. So I give him credit for remembering to bring this. Steve, are you just happy that you're represented with PE teachers in this movie? I kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he, Ned wants to be so a part of Spider-Man's world. He okay. wants to be that so bad. So he's just doing anything and everything just to help. Uh, we also get something that has never been seen in any of the Spider-Mans, which is we get the spider wings. These, this was the original costume in Spider-Man's first uh, appearance, which I think was amazing stories. I think that's what it was. But we get the spider wings. It's kind of nice. This is like his hang glider type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Back in New York, Karen reveals that, Spid that the Spider-Man suit records everything that Peter has seen. She gets a visual on Aaron, and Spidey later finds him in a parking garage. He attempts to interrogate him to find out why he was trying to get the tech from Tombs' goons. Tombs' goons. Aaron says he was trying to get them out of his neighborhood. He figures that Spidey is new to being a hero, and Aaron tells Spidey that Tombs is meeting to gather more tech at the Staten Island Ferry later that afternoon. Uh, interrogation mode. That's hysterical. <laughs> it's totally not Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, Aaron has a nephew. Who is it? 
Well, it's Miles Morales, which makes Aaron the eventual eventual Prowler villain. I am really this with all of your vast knowledge. <laughs> I'm starting to think that Spider-Man is your wheelhouse, man. It really isn't. It really. You know why I know a lot of this crap is because I've watched the movie so many damn times. Jeez. Yeah, and and the best movie I think of all of them or the second best maybe is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse where they go over all that. That was really cool to see. Yeah. I recommend that one. Uh, on the ferry, Toombs is meeting with another criminal named Mac Gargan, the Scorpion. Spidey gets a call from Tony, but he lies about what he's up to. Spidey spots Schultz on the boat, but sees Toombs and doesn't realize he is Vulture. He swings in and incapacitates Gargan and his goons. Toombs tries to use a weapon on Spidey, but he holds it down with his webbing. The back, this backfires since the weapon becomes unstable and splits the fairy in half. Spidey then tries to hold the fairy together with his webbing, but it's not strong enough and it continues to split. As Spidey holds it on as much as he can, Iron Man and his little drones show up to put the fairy back together and save everyone. Uh-huh. This is this movie's Spider-Man train sequence from Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octopus. And I think it's pretty good, but I don't think it's as good as the train sequence. Uh, I can't remember Spider-Man 2 that much. I've only seen it maybe once or twice, so I'm just going to have to go with it on you. But I thought it was just really neat how jumping around and trying to put it all together and yeah. everybody's like cheering for him. It's, oh, it looks like he's actually got it. But then it starts to break apart. So he's still not... He's not quite there as a full-fledged like superhero because Iron Man comes in and saves the day. And for a guy who just learned how to use his web shooters, this was a little way too proficient. What wouldn't you say? I'm going back to it. I think it's the suit. Does his suit improve his accuracy? I'm going to say it's, with it. And I, this is where I can rebut you here. I can finally rebut this one. Okay, because he has the web shooters without the suit. Also. They're connected to the suit. No, they're not. Guy. No. Well, he, he, they're on his wrists. They're, they're touching the suit. That, so As just being in out. contact with it? Hey, this is Stark technology. This ah! is almost as good as any kind of Chitari stuff we got. Don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a, there's a little gray area in there, and that's where you operate. Okay, I guess that, okay, my defense on that is the gray area. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see i love that peter's suit has made him so cocky it actually means he'll have an arc in this movie yeah it's he's getting way he's getting too too comfortable with it and that's why you know at the end of the scene iron man still has to bail him out yeah and peter fighting the vulture it kind of felt like a video game level against the boss didn't it yeah it was uh like jumping like, up and what, down go, the go, levels of the ferry the to fight the guy. Down. Yeah, <laughs> I could not. I, it would take me a couple tries to finally get that down, probably even after seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spidey retreats to a rooftop and Iron Man finds him and chews him out for not listening to him and lying to him about what he's doing with the suit. And this is where I go. Damn, Tony would make a good dad. Yeah, he's got he plays that father figure in, in here really, really well. That's what like so out there yeah. because you just think of him as just like this playboy 
he's bachelor life. And then all of a sudden he's, he's got some, that's, that's his dad coming out on him. Yeah. Peter then attempts to put the blame on Tony for what happened with the fairy for not listening to him about the vulture. But Tony steps out of his suit this time and reveals that he did in fact, listen to Peter as he sent the FBI on the same ferry that Toombs was on. He goes on to remind Peter that while nobody got harmed, if somebody did, it would have been on Peter. Feeling that he's unworthy of it, Tony demands that Peter give him back the Spidey suit. Peter pleads with Tony, saying that he's nothing without the suit, to which Tony says that he doesn't deserve it if he's nothing without it. Peter has failed to convince Tony to let him stay with the suit. This is the whole message of this movie. Would it be even good to say this is the whole message of the entire saga? Because Tony Stark is not a, he's not the main character in this film, but his character arc is still continuing to evolve. Yes. Well, it goes back to what Ah. Cap says to him in Avengers, which is you're, you're just a man in a suit. Exactly. And this is him learning from that and passing it on to, uh, to Peter. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Um, Tony, I think he's got every right to be pissed. And honestly, as much as I said, I like the fact that the suits made him cocky. I don't like the hubris of Peter here. I mean, usually in a spider movie, you're on his side the whole time. This I'm not on his side here. Oh no, it's he, he done messed up. And it's like, dude, that the fans that always liked him and cheer for him is like, yeah, dude, you messed up. So yeah. it's, I think it's good for the character. Uh, he goes home to aunt may dejectedly. She gets on him for not answering his phone all day, even going to the police to find out where he was. She also knows about him skipping detention at school earlier that day that he missed out on the decathlon comp- competition in Washington. And he sneaks out of the house every night demanding an explanation. He admits to getting fired from the internship. Now, Peter is failing on all fronts here and being at 15 years old, it kind of makes sense. High school is already tough. Trying to double up on responsibilities is a great reason for him to be losing control of everything. No, I agree. As you're reading that, I'm like, Oh my God, this kid's going through like a lot right now. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's kind of funny because we know teenagers when for them, it literally is when it rains, it storms. Oh yes. Like it never happens one drip at a time. It's either, Oh, things are great. Or Everything just turned to <laughs> Yeah. Peter resumes his life as a student and spends more time with Ned. Peter finds Liz at school and admits to liking her, which she already knew. <laughs> he then asks her to the homecoming dance, which she accepts. On the night of the dance, Peter goes to pick up Liz, only to learn that her father is none other than Adrian Toomes. Dun, dun, Ooh. dun. <laughs> Biggest bomb drop. I remember when I first saw I was like... Oh, yep. crap. <laughs> After some great. awkward photos, Toombs drives Peter and Liz to the dance, and as Liz tells Adrian about Peter's background and the events at Washington, he slowly starts putting together the pieces of Peter's circumstances and realizes that he is Spider-Man. Liz leaves the car, and Toombs quietly threatens Peter by telling him to stay out of his business or else he will kill him and anyone he cares about. I love the fact that the villain in this movie is his girlfriend's dad. That is so <laughs> true for a teenager. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You got to go up against dad. Like I, um, I, I put that together. And I was like, Oh, well this will instantly make his villains list for Steve. I mean, this is, this is perfect then. Dude, this guy is, he, he's hitting it on all sparks. He's hitting it on, on all spots. I'll tell you that. Yeah. What did you think of Michael Keaton in this scene? I, uh, I get the feeling that Keaton was given this role specifically for this scene. <laughs> I know I said earlier that was my favorite sequence. This right here is a sequence that 
when I think back at this movie, I remember this sequence in the car. It's it's the most memorable in my opinion. When he turns around and he's threatening him very quietly, and Tom Holland plays 15-year-old Peter Parker so well in this. He's scared shitless. Yeah, he has nothing to say. I'll tell you, this is probably again one of the smartest scenes in the film. Yeah. Just how Tomes just goes about how finding out that he is Spider-Man. That's just like, dude, this guy is smart. He knows what he's doing. Yep. It's one of the smartest scenes. I like it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. You don't know where it's going to go until you notice that Tombs recognizes who he is. And when he says to his daughter, hey, why don't you go inside? I'm going to give uh, Peter, you know, the dad talk. I'm like, oh, sh. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go down in the car. <laughs> And then all of a sudden you just see him like put his arm up on the passenger side with a gun in his hand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, During the dance, Peter learns that Toomes plans to steal a shipment of weaponry from a plane coming from the Avengers Tower heading to their new headquarters. Peter ditches Liz and rushes to get his homemade Spider-Man soup to stop Toomes. He heads outside and is attacked by Schultz with his gauntlets. Peter tries to reach his web shooter, but Schultz continues to pummel him. He is saved... By the man in the chair, Ned, and Peter sticks Schultz to a bus with the webbing. Is Shocker using the same type of gauntlets as Crossbones used in Civil War? That's that's kind of what I thought, too, when I saw it for the second time. They seemed very, very similar. Okay, yeah, because I'm like, wow, that it's kind of the same idea. I'm really happy that Spider-Man's default costume looks like pajamas or sweats. <laughs> <laughs> it's going back to the, like, the, the, uh, the, well, yeah, that was his, like, first, is in yeah. His origin suit, for, yeah. for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Uh, yeah, Ned getting involved was a, a nice little twist right there. He's not just the guy in the chair, but soon he will be. <laughs> yeah, he just accidentally happens to be at the right place at the right time and yep. hits the right button at the right time. So good for him. Yeah. Spidey rushes to stop Tombs with Ned being his eyes and ears. Ned tries to get in touch with Happy, but he doesn't care about it and hangs up on him. What the f***, Happy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, first of all, I want to point out, Flash's car's license plate says Flash Drive. (laughs) Just adds to the ego douchery. While Happy is overseeing loading the plane with objects from the Avengers Tower, he references Thor's belt, but is unable to pronounce its name. He goes, Meg, Meg, no, Thor's magic belt. Well, the real name for the belt is Megan Yorg. Why does he have Thor's belt? What's so special about Thor's belt? Well, they have lots of trinkets in there. They actually had, if you notice, there's a scene where they actually have one of the Ultron bots in there. I did. Okay, you saw that. Okay. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. There was a couple little Easter eggs in there. Uh, Ned as the guy in the chair, though, is great. I love when he's got like two computers going. He's talking to Happy on one. Happy hangs up on him. He's like, oh, what the hell? (laughs) But then he gets caught. He gets caught by what looks like the physics teacher. <laughs> she asks him what he's doing. And he, <laughs> of all the things you could say, he leans on watching porn. Well done, Ned. Yeah. Great alibi. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, what else are you doing in, in, in a dark room? And he just 
<laughs> good job. Think, good job thinking on the spot, buddy. Yes. Uh, Spidey finds Tombs in his lair. Tombs attempts to reason with Peter while that he's only doing what he believes is necessary and that the world is, isn't as black and white as the young Peter believes it to be. But it turns out to be a distraction as Tombs unleashes his suit as it flies around the area, Green Goblin style, destroying support beams and causing a pile of debris to fall on the Spidey, Green Goblin style. Tombs leaves him to die. Green Goblin style. <laughs> Peter struggles to lift the rebel off of him, and he fears he's going to die. He then remembers Tony's words with great response. Oh, wait, no, wrong movie. He uses all his strength to pull himself out, and he'll have to do it all alone without Tony's help. Steve, I get that Peter is strong, but strength and invulnerability are two very different things. Uh, Peter should be f***ing dead with that amount of concrete <laughs> falling at that rate of speed, maybe they should have gone with something a little more wood-based for believability's sake. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, but I I guess that's just like a MacGuffin, I guess. I don't know that's if I'm not a MacGuffin. that right. Just the fact that he's... <laughs> that's, a, know, that's a leap a of faith. <laughs> it... Well, I don't. I don't want to say that he's meta because we we still don't know this Spider-Man's origin. We just assume that he got bit by a spider, right? And that his blood is different. Could that kind of create his physics a little different? Because you know, I don't know. Well, I know spiders have an exoskeleton. Well, I don't know. I so mean, maybe he does get hurt in limps places. He does. Okay. Okay. You know what I just thought of? What I just thought of. The scene from Winter Soldier, okay, movies, right. when he jumps out of the elevator, yep, and then starts to limp. And I had a problem with that too, didn't I? Dang it, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, you I'm can't agree. blame me for consistency here. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. It's just, it's just, it was a little much. Like at this point, to- now I know he can't be hurt. Well, we don't want our superheroes to get hurt. No, but what gets us invested is the possibility that there's a danger. It's true. Uh, Spidey latches onto Vulture's suit as he intercepts the plane, and Toombs tries to gather what he needs, but Spidey foils his plan. Toombs gets in his suit and fights Spidey on the plane. They knock out the turbines, and I'm going to read all this because I know you couldn't really see it on the on the screen because it was poorly shot. Uh they knock out the turbine, sending the plane toward Coney Island. Spidey is able to maneuver the plane away from the city and onto the beach as it crash lands. Toombs attempts to get away with the weaponry, but Spidey tries to warn him that they are about to explode. Toombs tries to fly away anyway, but the cores blow up and he goes crashing down. Spidey finds Toombs and saves him, but he leaves him next to the rest of the weaponry for Happy and the police to find later, leading to Toombs getting arrested. I like the stealth technology on the plane, but when it starts to strobe, I can't see the action. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little distracting, I guess. I don't know. It didn't, didn't really phase me that that much, but I guess I can, I can see it when it starts strobing and then all that other stuff on there. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. I, I thought it was um, a missed opportunity when they were walking inside the plane to show more Easter eggs. Oh, dude, that was so cool. <laughs> I was what like, pull, oh, what, this... what does he pull out in there? He pulls out what the Iron Man. Well, he, he pulls out all the arc reactors. Yes. Uh, he's got the Iron Man head in there. I'm trying to think what else was in there, but it it's like this is the moment here where you could have your uh, Guardians of the Galaxy collector moment. Yeah, you know, Tony's yeah, the collector true. here for the Avengers. Yeah. And it made sense because I think the guy talking to Adrian says, "Dude, this is going to be like the." 
the the steel of like a lifetime will be set for life and then he yeah. opens up all those arc reactors i'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> just, just probably that box alone yeah uh i think you'd agree the plane crash was magnificent wasn't it it was it was pretty good yeah. they it was um it was, tombs and parker get... should again be f***ing dead she's fire yeah he's a spider <laughs> He's in pajamas, Steve. He doesn't even have the suit. You can't even rely on the suit at this point. He's in pajamas. Oh, dang it. <laughs> He's in sweats. It's very visually pleasing, this scene, so you don't notice that. Ah, <laughs> boy, you are the spin master today. No, but if, I, when I say that, I feel dumb now. <laughs> like, I feel like I just got got. So don't 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 praise me on that. That is false. <laughs> what did I tell you about using the bell for comedic purposes? <laughs> At school, Peter finds out that Liz is moving to Oregon with her mother and while her father is on trial. She is still upset with Peter for leaving her at the dance. She says goodbye to Peter and hopes that he can figure himself out. Peter is back on the decathlon team and Michelle is made captain. She quickly mentions that her nickname is MJ. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. <laughs> that is false. <laughs> <laughs> Peter then gets a text to go to the bathroom. Happy is there, thinking thanking Peter for what he did. He then tells Peter that Tony wants his I'm I'm sorry, I can't stop. Sorry, MJ is fing Mary Jane, okay? Not Michelle Jones. We all know what MJ is. That's friggin' cheap, and it's an unnecessary reveal. Why not just name the Mary Jane from the get-go? She doesn't look like a Mary Jane. Well, so what? I know. That's why it's, it's, this is the new Spider-Man, okay? But why not? Like, MJ stands for Mary Jane. It doesn't stand for Michelle Jones. Okay, you can still have a nickname. What are you gonna do next? MJ. I mean, oh. they they call Michael Jordan MJ. This is my friend GS, and we all go Gwen Stacy. No, no, Georgia Stephanopoulos. But nobody said no. No, nobody says that. MJ can be a nickname. They, like I said, they call Michael Jordan MJ. But you, didn't, you were like, wait a minute, that's Spider Man's MJ. No, why are they calling him MJ? No. Well, it, I would just prefer- no. I'd buy that if they didn't try to turn MJ into his love interest in the next movie. They knew what they were doing. They were messing with the fanboys. I get that, but this is that. This is a new take on Spidey. Let him let 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 him do the new take. I just thought it was kind of cool the fact that they brought that aspect into it because, you know, everyone's like, "Where's MJ? Where's MJ? Where, where's Mary Jane? Where's the redhead?" You know, and then they're like, "Oh, this could be MJ, or maybe it's just a thing. Oh, maybe they're maybe, Marvel's done this in the past. They've thrown us a curveball." Wanting us to deep think it, you know, and then it just pans out to nothing. So, all right. I'm okay. good with it. Okay. But with, okay. If I may, when this movie came out, everybody was pissed off by the fact that this MJ was not a redheaded white girl. My problem was, why didn't you just name her Mary Jane? Because I loved Zendaya in this. I thought she would, everything she said was amazing. <laughs> she oh, would. Yeah. Like, it was funny. Yeah, and that's another good. one. Like Tom Holland, I I personally had never heard of Zendaya. Apparently she was some Disney star. But I was like, okay, who is this going to be? And from the get-go, I was like, oh, my God, I know kids like this. And they are just as acerbic and hysterical. No, I agree. But just name her Mary Jane. Don't go with the whole, <laughs> just kidding, she's MJ. <laughs> it, what, you don't need to be cute about this. 
Kevin Feige. See, this is where I dropped off in the Feige train for a second. I was like, yeah. I think there's a, I think there's an Amy Pascal move, honestly. I just it's just their new take. I'm going with it. You don't need Mary Jane. Well, that might be blasphemy. Wrong, sir. Wrong. Oh, <laughs> yep. Well, you well. get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. I got one for you. I'll be like, well, uh, that's just uh, my opinion, man. <laughs> Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly. <laughs> Tony and Happy bring Peter to the new Avengers HQ. Tony presents Peter with a brand new Spider-Man suit, telling him there are reporters behind the wall waiting for a big announcement, meaning Tony is about to officially make Peter a new Avenger. However, Peter turns Tony down, saying he prefers to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for now. Peter leaves and asks Tony if he was testing him and whether or not he passed, and Tony seemingly confirms it, adding that there are no reporters. Just kidding. Ha ha ha. However, Tony is actually surprised that Peter made the mature choice of turning him down and that there really were a bunch of reporters outside. Pepper Potts comes out asking where P Peter is. That's a that's a tongue twister. Pepper Potter. Yeah, really. <laughs> she is frustrated that he walked out. So Happy covers for them by giving Tony a ring so he can propose to Pepper. Happy's been carrying that ring since 2008. That's when the first Iron Man was released. <laughs> that's creepy. I know. <laughs> I, I when I saw the suit, I was like, oh, I can't wait till Peter gets that iron thing. That looks amazing. Yeah, it looks a lot. I was like, how is that light? That looks almost uncomfortable, but it looks like can do. I mean, the Spidey suit that he had, I really liked because it had like five different contraptions for just like one setting. I'm like, yeah, I want to see them all. It's like, <laughs> where is this video game? I want to play with it all. It's on PlayStation. You know, and, then I, and then I see this thing. I'm like. Oh no, this is like so much better. So yeah. I don't think we're gonna see that suit until Infinity War, right? Yes. Yeah. Not when he yeah, that's when he shoots it up in the air. Yeah. Um and I, once again, I mean I could say it a thousand times. I love Tony as Peter Parker's mentor. This is a great fit for these two, and I buy the relationship that Tony perceives it to be later on. This is a really cool scene where he it's almost seems like he's testing peter accidentally <laughs> oops <laughs> and it just happens to work out exactly how tony probably i wants it to i mean he wants to be a part of the team but he's still got that fatherly thing you know i still yeah. want you to be safe and whatnot so it was a very um that th this completed the character arc for peter parker okay all right when peter gets home he finds a bag from Tony on his bed. Tony is convinced and has given Peter back the original Spider-Man suit. Peter then proudly puts it on, not realizing Aunt May is behind him, leading her to blurt out, what the f***? May, watch your language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I thought, when I saw the bag, I was like, oh, he still cares about him. That's so nice. Great job. And then, yeah, and then Aunt May just says that and just completely like changes the mentality of the scene. Yeah, because now <laughs> in this MCU, May knows about her nephew's alter ego. Oh, that's right. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's different. It's different. See, it's, it's, it's this. It's a new Spider-Man, just like Michelle Jones. It's a different take on it. Okay, but they didn't name him Philip Peterson. He's Peter Parker. He's 
Pee-pee. And you can't say pee-pee. <laughs> that just sounds weird. But you can say penis, Parker. That's funny. mid credit scene. <clears throat> Toombs is locked up at the raft, and he runs into Gargan, who mentions that he and other criminals are trying to come together to kill Spider-Man. Gargan then reveals that he heard a rumor of Toombs knowing who Spider-Man is. Toombs denies it, saying Spider-Man would already be dead if he knew. He then leaves Gargan to see Liz and his wife visiting him. Now, this scene was not for Marvel. This was for Sony because Sony wanted to do a Sinister Six movie and Scorpion and Vulture were a part of that. Okay, because I was just thinking and even the second time I saw this, it's like, what the heck is the relevance of this scene? Yeah. So that makes sense. And um, how do we know that they're on the raft? Is that mentioned somewhere? Uh, It's mentioned in IMDb. (laughs) So it could be true. It could be false. Okay, I guess so. But realistically, they they should be. be there. Well, they should be. Why? Well, aren't they supervillains? Well, really, if you take away the suit for Vulture, he's just an average step ordinary into man. My, step into my trap, Steve. Because didn't I make a case that Hawkeye shouldn't be on the raft and that Ant-Man shouldn't be on the raft and that the only one that should be on the raft is probably Scarlet Witch? I agree. But you didn't at the time. Did I? Mm. <laughs> step into my web. <laughs> Ooh. Well... Okay. The only way I can probably see that is because of just maybe their popularity. And that's like the, it's like the original six. So, but, but still stop, Steve. Okay. Uh, after credits. Under control, situation normal. After, okay. After credit scene, Captain America shows up in another PSA talking about patience and how sometimes being patient leads to things that aren't worth it. He then asked the off-screen director of the PSAs how many more PSA videos he has to work on. Now, you got something different than I did on this one, so tell me what you thought. So I just thought this was Marvel's way of just, like, pardon my French, just kind of slapping the entire MCU (laughs) for staying for the end because this was now at a point when this movie came out where everybody was staying at the end. Yes. Because they knew something was important. And they just said, yeah, you just wasted your time. I thought it was awesome. I was laughing. See, what I got from it was when he's talking about being patient, I thought people being patient to getting Spider-Man back to Marvel. Oh. And that sometimes these things just aren't worth it. And I thought that was a dig at the fact that if you don't like this, this is probably why. (laughs) That's what I thought. Oh, wow. Two completely different ones. Yeah. Yeah, And and we put them together and it becomes a C. No. Uh, <laughs> according to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 92%. That's 46 fresh reviews and four rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 7 out of 10. So this is an example of how the tomato meter re- rating is actually a little deceptive. Mm. Yeah. 92% means that 92% of critics out there think it's a 6 or higher. It doesn't mean that's their grade for the movie. So a 6 out of 10 or higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it could be like a bunch of people just gave this a D. Yeah, because their average grade wow. was a 7.5, which would be above six. But that's a that's 7 true. out of 10 ain't great. No, that's average. Yeah. Uh, the critics' consensus reads, Spider-Man Homecoming does whatever a second reboot can, delivering a cl- colorful, fun adventure that fits snugly in sprawling MCU without getting bogged down in franchise building. All right. The audience <laughs> score, they gave it a 4.17 out of 5 with 88% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So they, at least their score kind of matches what you know the number of people agreed with. Yeah. 
Uh, the movie's over, Steve. Were you entertained? Dude, hell yeah. This was awesome. I, w- I When I turned it off, when I was done with it, I was like, dude, I'd watch this again. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, I, I was entertained, but in terms of Spider-Man movies, it's not my favorite. I think if I was ranking them all, my number one would be Spider-Man 2. My number two would be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and then Homecoming. I mean, I, I, I think people gave this a lot of props because, one, it's a Marvel MCU movie. So they're like, oh, it's the best Spider-Man ever. And Well, I think people need to go back and see Spider-Man 2 again because that was, for a decade, considered the best comic book movie ever made. I now have a new homework assignment to do, and that's to go check out Spider-Man 2 because it's been a long time since I've seen it. So this isn't the first time you've mentioned how much you've loved Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is, that, that that's glorious, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's figure out whether the awards got it right and whether this movie is worth your time or not. No Academy Award nominations because, you know, Marvel. No Golden Globe nominations because, you know, Marvel. Uh, Saturn Awards gets four nominations. Now, the first one here, Best Comic to Film Motion Picture. It was Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Logan, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor, Ragnarok, and Wonder Woman. I almost want to revisit this after we do Black Panther. Yeah, I look at this and it's just, Wow. It's tough, but I don't think... First of all, it's tough because you see one, two, three, four MCU movies, one Fox movie, and one DC movie. But honestly, the best movie on here is the Fox movie, I think. Logan. Yeah, I Logan. agree. I like it, too. Uh, yeah, and, but we'll get into that when we do Black Panther, finally. Uh, best performance by a younger actor. It was between Tom Holland, uh, Daphne Keene, the little girl from Logan... Uh, Jacob Tremblay for Wonder, Letitia Wright for Black Panther, Millicent Simmons for Wonderstruck, Sophia Lillis for It, and Zendaya for Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, if, it, if they didn't give it to Tom Holland, they should have given it to Daphne Keene. Yeah, they hit this one right on the spot. I can't remember. It's probably seen Logan once. I yeah. know it was awesome. And the little girl and how she was portrayed in the film and how she did was absolutely stunning too. Yeah. But I, I would totally just look at Tom Holland and give it to him only because he was like... He was the main character. Um, Keen, she was the side character, sort of the main one. But, yeah. So they yeah. did it right. But also, Tom Holland went from nothing to this and became almost overnight the face of the franchise right next to Tony Stark. Oh, yeah. Everybody grabbed onto him. Everybody loved him from the beginning. Now, this next category here, I'm interested in what you think, because it's Best Supporting Actor. Patrick Stewart wins for Logan. It's up against Bill Skarsgård for It, who played Pennywise. Uh, Chris Pine for Wonder Woman, Harrison Ford for Blade Runner 2049, Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther, Michael Keaton for Spider-Man Homecoming, and Michael Rooker for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Did Patrick Stewart deserve this one, or would you have given it to somebody else? I think I might give it to somebody else. And I think, I don't know if you'll be surprised or not, but I think I would give it to Bill Skarsgård. Okay, all right. I am surprised by this. I did not think you were going to go there. I thought you were going to go with uh, Michael Rooker or Michael B. Jordan. No, because Bill Skarsgård, he plays an ins- a mental, um, someone with a mental health issue. You know, kind of like <laughs> You're a, saying Pennywise uh, has some what, neurological issues? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why, I mean, the, the whole Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. Yeah. You know, that's so that's why I think I would have given it to, um, to It. Okay. Right off the bat. What about you? Uh, I 
I'd, I'd have to say I've given it to Patrick Stewart. Okay. I because I, it was Professor X. It was the last movie he played. It he played dementia really well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you, it, it, if he had been your typical Professor X, I don't think people would have bought it in the movie. But he played a decrepit version who was dealing with personal demons, uh, having killed all the X Men himself on accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you watch that, and then you watch his death scene in that movie. Spoiler alert. Uh, it just kills you. I completely forgot about that. You did yeah. spoil it again. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Steve, you've got the floor. All right. So my number three is um, Michael Keaton. He's just an A-list actor, and he's just so good on screen. He just does a good job at portraying anger and Again, the scene I think about visually with him, I don't, it's not a dig at this movie, but it just shows how good Michael Keaton is, is the car scene when he's talking to Peter. Okay. When he gets all fired up and angry and then uses the anti-gravity gun on somebody and he just goes from crazy to like, what the crap did I just do? Yeah. I mean, back in the day when in Batman 89, it's just that scene where he goes, you want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. You know, I that's my favorite Michael Keaton moment. I love it. Okay. Number two, number two, anytime Ned and Peter are on screen, I think I said it already. They are the one of the best duo in the MCU. You would put them up there with um what did you say before? Can't remember. Um but I I related them to almost like Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye. Because they just play off of each other so good. Okay. You don't see them together too much, but they just they have that history together. Right. And these two guys are building that history. And uh, my number one, the Stark Spidey suit. It just has so many options, and it would be so much fun to play that in a video game. Okay. Okay. All right. What about – all right. What are your top three? Okay. My top three – I was doing a little math over here, actually. Okay. My, <laughs> my number three is Tom Holland is perfectly cast for a – 2010s Peter Parker. He's a nerd and a geek, and those words have changed over the years, and the word that he is now as a nerd and geek, it works for today. Not only that, probably the closest to the Peter Parker age. He was, when they started filming this, he was 17 years old when they started filming this. He's supposed to be playing 15. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. When it came out after two years, then he was 19. And people were like, well, he's a 19-year-old playing a 15-year-old. No, he was a 17-year-old playing a 15-year-old. Different altogether. Um, oh. Yeah. So and so that's something that I give. I, I love it when a, a movie gets actors that are really that close in age because then it, you don't have to stretch the imagination. Um, my number two is the music in this movie. Both the soundtrack and the original scores are great. And my number one is just the talk between Peter and his girlfriend's dad in the back of the car. It's so heartwarming. <laughs> Nothing says, you know, take care of my daughter. Like I'm going to kill you. If you get in my business again, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I guarantee when that, you know, I always go back to him bringing up the gun, but yeah. isn't that like a tactic that dads would use to when dating their daughter for oh, the first yeah. time? Oh, sure. Uh, it's kind of like, oh, come on, come on here. I'm just, just, just cleaning my shotgun here. Right. Like, uh. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the bottom three. Time to vent, Steve. Go for it. All right. 
So my number three, all of the high-tech weapons that were used, these black market high-tech weapons, <laughs> they're being used out in the open. Yes. <laughs> I don't care what kind of time of day it was. But how do people not notice this? I mean, they took off half of a building, you know, yep. in the um, the sub-sandwich guy's place. Yeah. Or yeah. The, the convenience store. And then also when they're shooting at Peter Parker outside of the van. Yep, yep. And then Peter Parker, again, notices it when they're – you know, going through shooting those guns off for practice, trying to sell them. They split an entire uh, boat in half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too. It's just they're using all this high technology. Now, granted, this is post Avengers one in New York. People have seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. But this is still fresh. You know, they yep. kind of think that that's all coming gone. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like that's happening again. <laughs> um, I think my number two just got debunked a little bit. Yeah, it um, did. <laughs> But I, I just, I honestly just, I, it's 17. He's 17 when they filmed this. Well, Jeez. when they started filming that, he was 17. When they, when it was released into theaters, he was 19. He doesn't even look, he looks, he looks a lot older, in my opinion, in yeah. these films. And that was my number two. It wasn't believable that these characters were 15. They just okay. looked way too old. Yeah. I, I, uh, Ned, Ned looks older. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, 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 my mind is just blown right now that he was only 17 because mm-hmm. he, yeah, then he, that, that's not much acting. That's just him being him almost. Right. I believe that Tom Holland put a lot of his own personality in it on how he would be in high school. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And my number one, I wish Vulture was more mainstream than just a guy on the black market. Now, what do you mean? I, I wish he was more of a threat to society like he was known or like society gave him this name of the vulture mm-hmm. you know or he was caught on the news or something like that um, okay but still behind the scenes i just wish he had a bigger role than just this behind the scenes guy dealing right. with weapons i can't I can't, argue with, I can't really argue with any of those yeah so yeah. uh joe yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry what are your uh what are your problems with okay the fight sequence on the plane at the end i'm sorry it's just too damn hard to see i i had this problem with solo i have it with this movie too (laughs) (laughs) all right number two there are multiple continuity issues in this and yes that's probably because marvel was sharing responsibilities with sony but it doesn't make it right it does not make it right and my number one spider-man is not invincible he's strong and agile but he's not invincible. At least in the previous Spider-Man movies, he could get hurt and it would affect his performance. And there was always the threat of death. A building literally collapses on this guy and he's okay. Now in the second Amazing Spider-Man, no, nice. In in the Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man gets shot in the leg and has a noticeable limp throughout the rest of the scenes. This one, a building fell on him and he was ready to go. And he was in is pajamas. That, is that spider venom serum that got put in him? No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Critics rating. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A or a 12 is the highest. F or a one is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives F's from all the hosts. It joins solo in the movie planet, global killer, a movie, a category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do you give Spider-Man homecoming in the comic book feature film genre? Do you want to go first or second, sir? 
I will go first on this one. All right. I will I, mute me. <laughs> all right. So go. this movie, this movie was so much fun from beginning to end. It just had it all. The humor was obvious. It had action and it had some serious tones. Having Tony Stark was enough to make this a serious addition to the MCU. I think if he's left out, you kind of just eh, don't know kind of where it falls. But with him being in there, it's like, oh, this is a main player. This is, you know, an iconic person in the Avengers. It's You, you got to take it seriously. I thought Marvel, okay, and Sony, I guess. I thought they had some balls not to do an origin, and it worked so well. You learned along with Peter how to be Spider-Man from when he's going in the suit and his fighting style all the way up into the end. It was it was a ballsy move because that's usually when you first see a film and it's introducing a character. Okay, okay, I'm expecting an origin. I want to know how he gets there. They didn't do that whatsoever. They just kind of went with it that all that has already happened and it put the audience in there to kind of guess on how he got all, all of his powers. Hmm. He is easily a fan favorite. The audience is always cheering for him. All right. For the peop- for the uh, character that nobody likes to cheer for besides me, <laughs> uh, my, my villain analysis. Now, here is a much cooler villain. I mean, before this movie, we have seen the well-known villain, villains of the Spider-Man universe, Green Goblin. Arguably, in my opinion, one of the best Spider-Man villains. You've seen Sandman. I think it was Electro, Venom, and now Vulture. On film, paper, he is actually, if you look at him, he's no different than Ivan Vanko. <laughs> because once you take off all that gear, he's, he's, he's very vulnerable. Someone who is really smart and really good with technology that wants revenge on Stark. That is who... He reminds me of that's exactly what Ivan Banco is like. Mm. But we cannot say that Mickey Rourke and Michael Keaton are in the same league. There is something about Keaton. He's just so much fun to watch on screen, and he just does an awesome job. You mentioned that in your top. Mm. Tom Holland and Jacob uh, Batalone. I don't know if that's the correct one. But, uh, yeah, those two, they're one of the best on-screen duos that I've ever seen in the MCU. Their chemistry, it's like, I honestly feel that when they got on set, they were just the best of friends. Maybe even before, I don't know. But they're absolutely amazing on screen. Not much missing here. There's (laughs) something about insects that makes this franchise (laughs) awesome. (laughs) I am putting this on par with Ant-Man. Whoa! When I watch this again, hell yes. I I actually wanted to watch it again right when I was done with it. Is it important to the saga? Oh, hell yes. It develops Spider-Man and Tony's relationship, which makes the end game that much sweeter. Oh. <laughs> it's been a while since I've enjoyed a movie since Ant-Man, really. If I go back, you go back and look at my grades, it's I, I always keep comparing. It's, oh, it's, not, it's not Ant-Man. It's not Ant-Man. It's there. It's an A- minus for me. Never a dull moment in this movie. All right. Is it my turn? Joe? Go, buddy. Okay. Give me. Let's let. Let's do it. I'm. Here we go, it, buddy. In the beginning, we had Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that the whole time. No. In the beginning, we had Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, and he was a wonderful iteration of Peter Parker. 
Then we got Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and we got a much maligned version that I think got a bad rap. Those movies weren't nearly as bad as everyone made them out to be. So, in my lifetime, we've seen Spider-Man's origin story twice on the big screen. Now we get the Marvel's MCU version with Tom Holland, and very wisely, they decide to not do the typical origin story. In fact, this movie doesn't even mention Uncle Ben at all in this movie. Now, if you want balls, that's ballsy. How ballsy? This is one of only two movies so far that introduce a new character where the character is already established as their persona. In Iron Man, Tony Stark becomes Iron Man. In Incredible Hulk, Ed Norton becomes Hulk in the introduction. In Captain America, the first Avenger, Steve Rogers becomes Cap. Guardians of the Galaxy, the individuals become the team. In Ant-Man, Scott Lang becomes Ant-Man. Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange becomes Doctor Strange. The only two that needed no changes are Thor and Spider-Man. Thor because he's born a god and nothing really changes suit-wise, power-wise, and whatnot. But Spider-Man, people wondered what he would be without his origin story. Well, turns out they don't even have to touch on it. And why? Because Marvel was smart to realize that we'd already heard the story twice before, so a third time would be a waste of time. Well done. But let's get into this. Casting-wise, I really have no beefs with this movie. Now, who they cast for is all but perfect, except for Michelle. <laughs> I feel like Marvel was just trying to be a little too cute with the whole, she's not Mary Jane, she's MJ bit. Just call her Mary Jane. We would have all bought in. But for every screw-up, there's something that makes up for it. Michael Keaton is brilliant as Adrian Toomes, and even better as the foil to Peter Parker, a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. If you are going to try to find a villain for a 15-year-old kid, you make it the kid's girlfriend's dad. That is some smart writing. How smart? Well, look at all the things that we expect out of a Spider-Man movie that is flipped on its head. There is no Uncle Ben in this. There is no spider-biting Peter to turn him into Spider-Man. There is no with great power comes great responsibility. There's no Mary Jane. There's no Gwen Stacy. There's no J. Jonah Jameson. Aunt May learns that Peter is Spider-Man. And it still works. And really well. Does it have problems? Quite a few. But it's still really good. <laughs> Continuity should have been taken care of a little bit better. This may have been because of them wanting to get this deal done. And although I don't rank movies based on what happens behind the scenes, when the problems become evident on the screen, that deserves hit on the grade. It's hard to look past the timeline issue. The movie starts right after the Battle of New York, which is 2012. Then it says eight years later, which would be 2020. But Civil War takes place in 2016. Kind of hard to look past a pretty obvious one there. His strength issue is hard to look past. The fact that Aunt May has no clue what he's doing in such a small apartment, that's a little strange. But film-wise, this is paced well, and it is quite entertaining. The soundtrack is fantastic. The action scenes are almost perfect until the airplane sequence, in my opinion, which I think could have been done better. So, I think this continues to follow the above-average-slash-not-perfect trajectory of most MCU movies, and I'm going to put this on par with others like Thor and Thor The Dark World. And I'm going to give this a solid B. That puts Spider-Man Homecoming at an average score of a 10.000 or a straight B. Now, if we revisit 
the list of movies in the Pantheon. Oh, no. Deadpool is still number one. Iron Man is still number two. Dark Knight still number three. Batman still number four. Doctor Strange is still number five. Captain America Civil War is still number six. And number seven, Captain America the Winter Soldier with a B plus. Now, our average for this is going to be a B plus average, but it's a 10.000. It's not a 10.5. It doesn't get to sniff the Pantheon, Steve. So it's, the average is a straight B. Well, it's a straight B plus. I said that wrong. Okay. Yeah, it's a straight. It's a straight B. It's a ten point zero zero zero. Mm. Yeah. Well. But here's here's the company that it is in. Okay, the company of other B plus movies. Ant Man. Ant Man oh. was a ten point zero zero zero. Also. <laughs> oh, Look gosh. at that. <laughs> Well, that makes sense. They're both the only movies with a B plus 10. Wow. Yeah. The one right above it is Marvel's Avengers that we kicked out. God, I was kind of hoping it was going to be a 10.5 so that we had to maybe, maybe <laughs> move something out. But, and, and I was thinking about that because I didn't really, I didn't know what you were going to give it as a grade. Yeah. I'm thinking, can I move? Like, let's just say it did. Could okay. I move any of those out? And to be honest, I don't know. And this is what I, w- I would have said. You need to decide. Oh. And oh. I think. Oh, you bastard. You, you, oh, I think you would have kept it out. If this was a 10.5, though, oh. I think you would have kept it out because I, cu- I couldn't make that decision. Um, I, uh, Yeah. If it was a ten point five, well, it's a different movie altogether. There's different moments then that I'm not having a problem with, so I can't, yeah. I can't do the hypothetical right now. But yeah, okay, no, I agree. Yeah, let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie? Or none of the above? Steve, I, I loved it. I couldn't wait to watch it again, and okay. I will be watching it again. I loved it. Yeah, I, I personally like this movie. It's entertaining, and I want, I want to so bad love this movie, but I think I just like it. I think I just like it, and. Maybe it's because now that I've seen Far From Home and I think I like that one better. Like, or maybe it's because I've seen Spider-Man. Maybe for me, Spider-Man is like Wolverine. I don't need him in his own movie. I need him as part of an ensemble. He's like a Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Hulk. And we gave that a C. No, no, we gave the movie a C. That green green mess is an A in my book. Okay. That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, you can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram for one-minute reviews of the latest movies coming out. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Steve, any last words? Do you lay eggs? (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) thanks for listening and happy movie watching